That's a, that's a, that's a concrete example of how justice and mercy go hand in hand. You're doing both. So yeah. you might be sponsoring a family, providing them with home, a home, you know, getting them, um, going in their new life here. And at the same time, as you do that, you're learning about the greater issues and begin to see, Hey, we can advocate for something better here in our country. Welcome to a one life podcast. One life as you may or may not know, is a grassroots learning collective made up of equippers serving classes BC, Northwest, and Southeast in the Christian Reformed Church. By providing events and resources centered around the five foundational callings of the church, worship, faith formation, servant leadership, global mission, justice, and mercy. The calling we'll be looking at today is the calling of justice and mercy. My guest on the show today is Rachel Vrugi, the head of Diaconal Ministries Canada. We talked about justice and mercy, one of those great one life values, how justice and mercy go hand in hand. And we talked a lot about the underappreciated role of the deacons in our church. So if you're a church member, you're going to want to tune into this episode. But if you're a deacon, you're going to really want to tune into this episode. This one's for you. Welcome to our listeners again to another episode of the One Life Podcast. I am here sitting across from Rachel Vrugi. Um, Rachel, you are you. You've been on the board of One Life. Yes. Um, and you you also work with Diaconal Ministries Canada, um, and and a lot of other justice and ministry organizations in the Christian Reformed Church and and just in general in our uh, in BC. Um, yeah, let's just let's start with your story. Thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this podcast, and uh, I hope the things that I share will uh, be helpful um, and informative for others. I did have a unique growing up years. Um, I grew up in Edmonton. Uh, my dad was the, at that time uh, the director of the Edmonton Native Healing Center, and that provided for me a lot of very interesting opportunities to grow and learn that really looking back, um, I would say it was only in looking back that I was really able to see, you know, how unique that was. So essentially my dad, John Stellingworth, was an urban missionary uh, to the urban Cree uh, community. And he always involved us kids. So I got to go to um, potlatches and smudging and friendship dances and all kinds of different um, Cree cultural uh, events and experiences um, as well because it was urban ministry. Um, there were a lot of social issues, alcoholism and homelessness and things like that. Um, but because I was a kid, uh, going to the center and getting to know the people there, I mostly just saw uh, people there as people. So I'll give a, maybe a couple of stories of, of that. Um, so there were these two women who would hold, uh, who would do a lot of the um, food making at the center, so making the soup and bannock. And um, 
they were always super friendly and welcoming and caring, uh, always great sense of humor, always laughing. Um, and that's how I knew them. And then there was one night where the phone rang in the middle of the night at home. And, you know, of course it woke the whole household up and my dad answered the phone and then he, he had to leave. Um, and then the next morning at breakfast, he said what he had been doing. He had to go to the hospital because one of these women um, had been beaten very severely. Uh, and she, that's when I learned that she was a prostitute, that she had been beaten up by a John. And that was um, some of the challenges of her life. And that's how, when I, how old were you? I was probably about 13 at that time so you know old enough to begin to understand um, some of the challenges of street life and so I, I share that example because for me I never in my life now have ever lost that sense that people are people first and that they're not defined by their circumstances mm. Um, mm. though their circumstances will certainly have shaped them. Um, and so because of that, you know, I don't have a lot of fear. Often you'll hear that people are very afraid um, of homeless people or they see the drug addicts on the street and they think, you know, I, I should be afraid of those people. And I, I don't have that sense. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. And that really has shaped me my whole life. Um, in being interested uh, in reconciliation. Wow! Yeah, that is that is such a such a gift to be able to grow up in that context and um, and have your eyes opened to the realities. But but also such a good takeaway for our listeners um, just to 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 lean in more to that 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 people are people and that yeah and that that takes away the fear. I think that's really beautiful. Humanizing people. Um, can take away a lot of our fear. Um, you work for Diaconal Ministries Canada. So you, so tell me a bit about your role there and the kind of things you do. Diaconal Ministries Canada has an amazing role in the CRC in terms of equipping and training deacons. In fact, oftentimes elders will say that they wish that they had an organization just for them <laughs> with resources mm. and uh, the same types of opportunities to learn and to be equipped. So Diaconal Ministries uh, exists to equip uh, deacons for their mandate, for the task that they have. And if you've ever read, read through the deacon's mandate, it is a beautiful but intimidating piece of work. Uh, it talks about everything from being prophets um, and advocates for victims of injustice to uh advocating for unity in the church through words of encouragement, benevolence, both within and without of the church, uh, reaching into the community, stewardship, uh, creation care. It talks about all of these things. And so our job at Diaconal Ministries is to help deacons have a look at that mandate and then begin to sort through uh, the different parts of it and then apply it directly to their context in their city, in their neighborhood, in their community and church, what it would look like for them to live it out. That's a, yeah, that is a beautiful um, picture. But like you say, very daunting. I don't know if you've come across this. 
Um, I, as a pastor, I have a, a lead pastor. I'm the associate pastor at uh, Cornerstone Christian Reformed Church. And um, my lead pastor, Pastor Mike, he sits with the elders. And most often a pastor will join the consistory, the elders, and that will be kind of their, their role. But we talked about it, and we talked about maybe I could have some oversight with the deacons, and I could sit along the board of the deacons and, and roll with them, which was great for me because my interests... Um, um, in my whole life have also followed, fallen along these categories of justice and mercy and things like that. And so I was pretty excited to do that. And I found as I, as I began relationship with the deacons, how often deacons feel, um, they feel like they're sometimes, sometimes the saying is, um, they're like uh, junior elders, elders in training, right? It's sort of this, um, this place you kind of figure out what council is like. You don't have as much authority. So you're just like, you know, you, you, you take care of the meal trains and the, you know, um, 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 put together the care package for new babies and things like that. But, but, um, but yeah, you're an elder in training. So let's talk a little bit more about the deacons and about that high calling and about the dignity that deacons have and should have in our churches. So pastors are generally ordained as elders in the church, right. but there are pastors out there who feel that their God-given gifts and abilities uh, and their sense of calling are more in line with the deacon. So this isn't uh, super common, but you but you do see it. So I'd like to affirm you very mm. much uh, in your sense of calling that that may be uh, your place. Uh, but greater than that, um, as you said, deacons are absolutely not uh, elders in training or you know elders with training wheels on. Uh, the deacon is a separate task and calling of leadership within the church. So synod in 2016 affirmed that by saying that elders and deacons have parity of office and are essentially partners in the leadership of the church, though they have different roles. So deacons are very much called to lead their church in what's called diaconia, or acts of God-glorifying service. They are not called to simply do the work of God-glorifying service on their own on behalf of the church, but to lead the congregation in that. So essentially, all of us in the church are little D deacons, uh, with the big D deacons providing opportunities for learning, for education, and for ministry all together as the church and the body of Christ. That's beautiful. That's a very helpful definition and uh, really good to know about that synod ruling in 2016. I didn't know that. So now we can go all the way to the top and say, look, that's right. look, we have parity of office. That's, that's actually really, really cool to know. Um, I'm told you may have um, a number of stories of things deacons have done with regard to justice and mercy um, in their communities. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about what you've heard from deacons. I have so many great stories. Um, we even currently right now have seven churches uh, from across Canada engaged in a, a cohort called Becoming a Community-Focused 
uh, church. And so there's always churches uh, learning and growing in the area of community ministry, stewardship, benevolence, and justice. Uh, I would like to share, first of all, a story right here um, from my hometown of Chilliwack. Yeah, uh, Chilliwack. We, yeah, Chilliwack. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely the most beautiful place to live. Uh, and part of our charm is the fact that we're surrounded by mountains. Uh, and a number of years ago, it was seen that as Chilliwack was growing in population, uh, the housing was starting to move up into the mountains, in which my house that we're in right now is literally on a mountain. Uh, and so there was a group of people who were interested in beginning to preserve um, mountainous areas uh, to become a park. Uh, so Heartland CRC uh, here in Chilliwack uh, had some members that were starting uh, an organization called the Chilliwack uh, Park Society. So at DMC, we funded them in their infancy when they weren't even a society yet, and they were just beginning the trail building initiatives. Um, and now that has grown here in Chilliwack to include partnerships with Indigenous communities uh, and the community forest here in Chilliwack was Formed, and a lot of great advocacy work has done to preserve um, creation um, in this area. Uh, and then along with that, um, Unity Christian School also did a youth justice project in this area, developing a recycling program. And so just a really great story of connecting in the community, stewardship and creation care, and also justice, advocating for the preservation of the mountainous areas here. Oh, that's a great reminder that it, within justice and mercy is our creation. We we're we're we've been mandated in Genesis. What was it? Genesis one or two? One of those two. Early or on, both. or both? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, nice. <laughs> both, in fact, to yeah, to care for our creation. Um, so that would absolutely fall in line with God's justice. Yeah, and then uh, I think one of my one one ministry area that I felt personally connected to. Uh, but also we've seen at work here is um, Youth Unlimited has uh, youth outreach to homeless uh, youth. Uh, and we've funded um, one such center uh, at Mission uh, in partnership with Mission CRC and one in Edmonton as well called The Vault. Um, absolutely passionate about seeing kids being connected to uh, in through their school and through the church and to see the churches involved in that so really amazing stories of churches making partnerships in community to again the combination of justice and mercy um, giving a helping hand to kids on the street and at the same time looking for ways to advocate uh, for better resources for them I love I love that you say justice and mercy go hand in hand absolutely because we often see them as opposites right you can yeah. have justice where you kind of lay down the hammer and then you have mercy where you actually take it easy on somebody um, you know and, and and don't give them justice but um, in your mind these are these are one and the same can you talk a little bit more about that um, how they're related yeah so I think one of the best areas that you can see this that many many churches in the CRC across Canada are involved in is refugee sponsorship. So this is a, a big topic but many churches have sponsored refugee families and continue to. Very very important work um, but along with that 
there's also a lot of advocacy that happens uh, for the individual person or family churches are sponsoring, but also we have found that churches that have been involved with refugee sponsorship have had their eyes opened to the many struggles uh, and sometimes barriers that are here in Canada for people coming from other countries and so begin to advocate as well, writing letters to their MP um, about certain things. So I'll give an example uh, during COVID COVID, uh, the government basically had put a stop to refugees arriving from other countries and yet NHL teams were coming from the US, right? And wow. quarantining, playing their games. So following COVID protocols, but allowed in the country and yet we can't allow refugees to come in and follow the same protocols. So a lot of people here in BC and Alberta and across Canada wrote letters in regards to that because they had sponsored refugee families and cared about the issue and knew how important it was uh, to give people from other countries that are fleeing civil war uh, or other, um, yeah, great, injustices and hardships uh, to give them a chance uh, for education and to have a life here in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a concrete example of how justice and mercy go hand in hand. You're doing both. So yeah. you might be sponsoring a family, providing them with home, a uh, home, you know, getting them um, going in their new life here. And at the same time, as you do that, you're learning about the greater issues and begin to see, Hey, we can advocate for something better here in our country. Mm. Is there a connection between justice and the biblical idea of shalom? Have you have you thought about that? I, I just that just kind of occurred to me now. Absolutely. I think yeah, I love that that you asked that question so much because that gets at the why. Why do we do this? Why are we interested in mercy and why do we offer someone a cold cup of water so to speak also on the other side of things why would we go through all this work of writing letters um, on behalf of refugees um, and all of these things and the why of that is this idea of shalom that always in the work of reconciliation that we're doing uh, by offering mercy and also advocating for justice we're working towards shalom for all, which essentially means right relationship with God, with others, with ourselves, and with creation. And so this is where, you know, when we think about justice work, we often think about advocating for the victims of injustice, as we should. But also part of shalom is also bringing oppressors to see that they also need to be in right relationship with God, with others, and with themselves. Um, another example of this during COVID would be the scapegoating of Asian people, blaming them uh, for this disease that, you know, apparently came from China, let's say, and then making Chinese Canadians feel that somehow they're to blame and that we hate them for it. So part of reconciliation work is bringing people who are casting that blame uh, to see that that's misplaced, to see Asian people as fully human, um, and also then to repent of that and to begin to be in right relationship with God and with others and with themselves, to let go of the hate um, and blame that they're projecting onto somebody else. Wow. I, I wonder if... 
Um, you have any advice then in light of all of this for, um, for deacons in particular? I think of my, my deacons at Cornerstone that need a, you know, need a word or a, um, a bit of encouragement in their ministry. What, what would you say to, uh, to deacons? What would you like to, to hand to um, my deacons or, or our, you know, Cornerstone's deacons or, or any, any kind of deacon group in a CRC listening right now? What word of encouragement would you like to give them? I would say that as a deacon, though you may feel under-equipped for the job, though you may feel that you don't know what to do or how to live this out, uh, you are a deacon because God called you to be a deacon. That inside you have the gifts from the Holy Spirit uh, to do the work that you have been called to do. There are lots of resources out there. DMC offers many resources to equip you for that job, but to reflect on your life, Um, as I did at the start of this podcast, to think about the life experiences that you have been given, um, that you can draw upon, that has called you to this work, to know that the Holy Spirit has gifted you, uh, and that ultimately you are not the savior of the world. You are simply a messenger of this beautiful message uh, that God desires for all of us to flourish. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really encouraging. I have one more question that uh, Liz prepared um, that wanted me to ask you, which I, I really like. Um, and it's this idea that in the face of all of the things that burn us out as deacons, as ministry workers, as ministers of reconciliation, especially in these COVID days, people are so tired. Um, and this work can be so exhausting. I can't imagine... Um, if you're confronted with justice every day or giving mercy um, like your dad did when you were 13 years old um, to someone horribly abused, that can get very tiring. And so Liz was wondering, how do you stay grounded um, in light of all of this? Um, Are there practices that you have to stay grounded, Um, practices for our churches? Tell me a bit about that. I think I would say, first of all, that you can say no. You have the freedom to say no and to set boundaries. So in a church situation, how you would do that is by developing a policy, a benevolence policy that outlines who you will help, uh, who you will not help, um, how you will help based on the resources that your church community has. And that as individuals, it's also okay to say no that sometimes you must say no in order to maintain your energy uh, for your family or for yourself um, and for the people that you work with. So I always say that no church can do everything, no person can do everything. Um, And so part of the resources too that we offer at DMC is to help churches discern what would be their best fit uh, for ministry opportunities, knowing that you can spread yourself too too thin um, and that you have the freedom to say no. Uh, And then I think for personal practices as well, um, I think that uh, being in creation is just such a healing practice. So walking, biking, um, we're avid hikers in our family. So just seeing the beauty in creation can also balance out some of the ugliness uh, that you see in society um, and in the world. So keeping um, 
and art and music is in that too, enjoying the beauty of the best the world has to offer, um, even when confronted with really ugly things. Uh, and I think lastly, um, gratitude. So developing, as my mom would have said when we were kids, an attitude of gratitude uh, is truly a spiritual practice that when you are filled with gratitude for the gifts you have in your life, then you can be more gentle with others. Um, and gentleness is the only way uh, to bring forward this message of reconciliation that we talked about. Um, a heavy hammer will not work on anyone. Um, so, and have, being settled in yourself and feeling confident within the gifts that God has given you kind of allows a gentleness to flow. Wow. That, that is really good wisdom. How, how do you, how do, yeah, you, I guess you already mentioned creation, uh, being in creation is a good way to cultivate that gentleness, but it strikes me that that's a very hard thing and a very underappreciated virtue in our society today, gentleness. Um, what are some other ways you cultivate gentleness? Hmm. I think another way to cultivate gentleness uh, is again this idea um, of grace. Mm. So I, I think it's very important uh, to think back to that time of your own conversion. So for many of us who grew up in the church, it's, uh, you know, we struggle to identify, um, you know, that specific you know, black and white moment where, you know, we were dead in sin and now we're alive in Christ. And we've had this great story to, this big story to share of a conversion. It's been um, a more gradual process than that of Sunday school and devotions every day around the dinner table. Um, but I do think if you reflect back to think of the time when you really felt convicted um, of your brokenness before, a perfect savior, uh, or when you think of times when it became really clear that you needed God mm. in some way in your own life. And so I think to be humble about that again, and to realize that each of us has been deeply in need of God's grace, then how can you not extend that grace to others? Um, so reflecting on God's grace in your own life also will cultivate gentleness towards others. That's beautiful. Um, I'm out of questions, but I always like to give the, the, the guests an opportunity. Is there something in, on the topic of justice and mercy, on the topic of deacons, um, on the topic of your life story that you feel you, you want to give, gift our, um, our churches with before we go? Anything else? Sure. I think just to circle back to... Um, the opportunities I had uh, growing up to uh, develop appreciation for people from a different culture and background than me um, is to seek out those opportunities and to always be looking uh, for ways to have an open and generous heart uh, and to live a spacious life, a life that can include people from many, many different backgrounds uh, so that we can learn from each other. Mm, what a wonderful practical way to do that. I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate this chat, Rachel. Thank you so much for, yeah, for being on the, on the, on the podcast. Um, yeah, I wish you all the best with all of your ministries here in Chilliwack and BC. And uh, thanks you again for being on the show. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been a privilege to talk with you today. 
Lay down all your burdens, brother, lay them on the ground. There is no more reason to be bearing them around. My guest on the show today was Rachel Vrugi, fellow Chilliwack native and head of Diaconal Ministries Canada. Thanks again for our chat, Rachel. For all your other One Life Curation needs, including events, links, and more information about the five callings, visit crconelife.ca. And hey, thanks for listening. Share with me.